Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I wanted to take a moment and tell you about one of my favorite companies, Paleo Valley. They make some of the world's best health products, and I really love their Essential C Complex, which is one of the only immune-boosting products on the market that's made from whole food sources of vitamin C that your body can effectively absorb. You see, most vitamin C products only contain a fraction of vitamin C called ascorbic acid. This is the synthetic form of vitamin C, and it's often processed with GMO corn. With Essential C Complex, you get the full spectrum of vitamin C with all the additional nutrients, minerals, and bioflavonoids that make it so powerful in the first place, the way nature intended. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex contains three of the most potent sources of vitamin C on the planet, the unripe acerola cherry, the amla berry, and the kamu kamu berry. The acerola cherry alone is 120 times more potent than an orange. The daily recommended amount of vitamin C was decided upon based on the amount of vitamin C you need to not get scurvy, not really the amount you need for a stronger immune system. This is why Paleo Valley Essential C Complex contains 750% of your daily recommended value of vitamin C, completely sourced from nature so you can thrive, not just survive. You see, vitamin C is an extremely fragile nutrient, and it can very easily lose potency if it's not processed correctly. So Paleo Valley has worked with the most responsible manufacturers they could find to gently break down each of these fruits, and to guarantee no vitamin C was lost in the processing, they recruited a non-biased, third-party tester to confirm it contains the amount they put on the label. Because in times like these, when everything seems uncertain, your immune system shouldn't be. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex is non-GMO, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and made with all organic superfoods. No fillers or flow agents that you'll find in most supplements. Nothing weird, just food. Check out paleovalley.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS, just simply my last name, JOCKERS, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, today to get 15% off your order. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dr. Jockers Functional Nutrition Podcast, where we believe your body was created to heal itself, and we're here to arm and equip you with all the resources you need to take back control of your health. 
And so today we're going to talk all about arresting autoimmunity. So we know that autoimmune conditions, they're at an all-time high. So we're going to talk all about autoimmunity. We're also going to talk about nutrition, lifestyle factors, uh, different things like that, things you might see on lab tests that would indicate um, that you may have an autoimmune condition, symptoms you may experience. We're going to talk about things you can do to take back control of your health. So my guest is my good friend, Chris Wilson, and he is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, as well as a functional medicine practitioner as well. And uh, he's recently come, come along and uh, he's partnered with us at drjockers.com. And uh, we're happy to have him on the team. Guy is incredibly intelligent, as you'll see, and uh, really excited for this interview here, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, super excited to be here. Uh, this is just a huge passion of mine. So I'm just really excited to get to share my knowledge, my experience, and uh, yeah, just help hopefully empower people and inspire people. So really excited. Thank you. Well, yeah, for sure. And I know you got into this uh, really when it came to, to issues that your, your wife was having. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, my wife was, we never received like formal diagnoses of anything from conventional medicine, um, but we weren't getting any answers. It was always medications. Uh, your diet didn't have anything to do with the condition that you are experiencing. So, you know, just eat whatever you want because that wasn't the key issue. And, um, you know, they didn't really factor in lifestyle factors or issues to that was contributing to her uh, chaos or dysfunction in her body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is what, what happens so often is in the medical system, they'll look at symptoms. But, you know, unfortunately, they're just not trained to really dig deep and look at root cause factors that are associated with it. And so, um, as you started to analyze your wife's case, what are some of the root cause factors that you found that were associated with the symptoms she was experiencing? Oh man, that's a loaded question. So that was like a, a multifaceted, um, you know, challenge here. We had, um, I think the very first thing I learned about was her heavy metals that were, well, her mercury fillings. So she had eight silver fillings and we know that 50% of those silver fillings are, um, made up with mercury and then we got tin and nickel and some other metals in there too and so i really dug into the research to find out how harmful and deleterious mercury was to the body and for her you know she was you know from the appearance of the outside nobody could understand that she was internally ill i mean she just looked like a wonderful beautiful person that didn't look sick and so people have this mental perception of what they think sick automatically looks like and so whenever i was trying to explain people that her um, like uh, debilitating chronic fatigue or just not even being able to have the energy to get out of bed to take on the day. Uh, we homeschool our children. So, and you know, she was a stay at home uh, mother of two boys, very energetic boys. And so, you know, that being a wife, a mom, and that's like the hardest job in the world. So for her to not have the energy to take on the day um, really was just kind of you know, depressing in such a way. Depressing is like a huge understatement too. When we look at everything that kind of factors into your overall well-being and what's driving it, underlying inflammation. And so uh, we also found out we lived in a home that was riddled with black mold. Uh, we'd been there for eight years and found out that that was one of the uh, contributing factors as well. Mm. But really, I think what was the tipping point for her, like if you think of all of us, we're made up of anywhere from 70 to 100 trillion cells that makes up who we are on the outside. 
each one of us has like this uh, biological bucket that we're born with and some are bigger or smaller than other people. And it's just um, how much that bucket fills up with over time throughout, you know, from our birth up until present day. And so I think her tipping point was when she gave birth to our second son. Mm-hmm. And that was that physical uh, stress on the body going through the labor pains and the child giving in, co- in a combination with the silver fillings, the mold, uh, at the time, really not having um, an understanding of foods as either harming you or, or healing you, you know, all that stuff just finally added up and spilled over and it manifested into things like um, severe brain fog, chronic fatigue, uh, joint pain, muscle pain, like fibromyalgia, like symptoms and uh, headaches. And just, you know, it was uh, even getting rest, you know, seven to eight hours of like adequate sleep and still feeling unrested at the time of waking, you know, so we knew that something wasn't right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, with so many people that are suffering unnecessarily from this, I always tell people that, you know, for a woman, actual act of delivery is almost like a, like a Super Bowl, you know, in a sense, like football players will play their whole lives to play in this one big game, destroy their bodies, but then they have a whole off season to recover. Right. Whereas, you know, uh, the, the woman gives birth and then she's got a bunch of sleepless nights, right. Which, uh, in hamper recovery, obviously as she's trying to take care of the baby. So it can definitely be a big stressor on the body and can push you over the edge. Like you were talking about. So what are you seeing? You know, I know obviously you're working with uh, a wide variety of clients. What are you seeing as some of the other key factors that are involved in the development of autoimmune conditions? That's a, a great question. And it's kind of like a, um, uh, it's, it's a multi, you know, approach to many factors that can contribute. And so it's my job to help identify, you know, these multiple fragments or triggers or splinters, whatever you want to call them, that can all create this inflammatory cascade in our body. And if we really think about autoimmunity in itself, it's just our body attacking itself. And so when I think someone has, or, you know, they tell me they've got some form of autoimmune condition, um, I always think gut immediately. That's the first thing I go to because 80% or roughly 80% of our immune system lies right there within our gut. So we got to try to reestablish our gut health in order to kind of calm that immune response. And so it's an overall epidemic today. If we take all of the you know 100 plus autoimmune diseases and lump them into one category, it's the top 10 in deaths among women of all ages. And probably the top three things that I see, or at least a common pattern in people who have an autoimmune condition, or kind of, I don't even like to say autoimmune condition. I like to say this autoimmune spectrum. Um, they don't really have to have a full-blown diagnosis, but they can still be on this spectrum of autoimmunity uh, based on lab testing. But nutritional deficiencies is huge. Um, gut infections is also huge. And um, environmental toxicity. Those are probably the top three you know, main factors that I see driving the epidemic of autoimmunity. Yeah, I totally, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And so what are some symptoms? Let's talk about some different autoimmune conditions and symptoms that somebody may experience that could kind of clue them in that they, they possibly have an autoimmune condition. Another great question. Uh, this can, honestly, the symptoms can range from sometimes none at all. You could be in that, um, that pre-spectrum phase where your body is still undergoing physiological changes and you might not yet have symptoms, but the storm inside is brewing and we're not aware of it. So it's almost kind of teaching, you know, that the ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We don't want to wait 
that we have a diagnosable condition or even many symptoms before we want to take action. It's all about, you know, the prevention and action beforehand before we get up to that point. But, you know, brain fog and fatigue, weight gain, those are all very common symptoms of many things, not just autoimmunity, but many things. And then we have other uh, joint pain and it just depends on really uh, the area that's being attacked based on a person's, I guess, weak link of the genetics. So, I mean, it could be um, the liver for people with lupus or the myelin sheath of the people who have multiple sclerosis or obviously the thyroid for people who have Hashimoto's or Graves disease. And I mean, there's a, a, a whole umbrella of symptoms that can fall under there for anybody. And just like when you think of IBS, IBS affects so many people. And that in of itself is an umbrella term that really can't um, articulate well what the condition of the person is. We just know it's an inflammatory condition of the gut or the GI tract. So things like constipation, diarrhea, um, abdominal pain, cramping, bloating, gas, or flatulence, all of these can be symptoms of an autoimmune condition on the rise or coming about. Yeah, yeah, totally. So basically, if you're having chronic recurrent conditions, really any sort of symptoms are just chronic and recurrent, and uh, aren't short-lived, <clears throat> that could be a potential symptom of an autoimmune disease or autoimmune uh, condition that you're experiencing in your body. And so I know you had mentioned nutrient deficiencies. What are you seeing being some of the top nutrient deficiencies that are associated with this sort of immune imbalance? So another great question in terms of just nutrition itself. So I have an article right here that I pulled up from just studying, and it comes from the British Medical Journal from September of 1936. And so they define nutrition, and I want to set the stage for this as we go into that uh, answer. They define nutrition as a fundamental function on which the condition of the body, that is to say, health depends. It's not really food, nor that which nourishes, as some lay dictionaries define it, but food is the instrument of nourishment. So it's more than just food is fuel, but it's more so biological information on that tells our genes how they can express themselves. And I just find that study very interesting from 1936 and how our perspective of today's doctors don't even think diet or nutrition plays a, a role, when in fact, it is one of the main roles on how our body will function or respond to our environment. And so, man, the, there's a, that's a, a loaded question really with nutritional deficiencies. Obviously, vitamin D um, which is kind of more like a pro-hormone. It's not even really like a vitamin, but uh, vitamin D is almost deficient in everyone with an autoimmune condition. Uh, vitamin B6, uh, magnesium, selenium, uh, vitamin A, vitamin E, these are all, even iodine. Iodine can be uh, in tyrosine. Those are two critical nutrients that are needed for um, thyroid health, but there's just so many. And, you know, selenium is one that's I look at a lot too. That, that one is required for the conversion of T4 to T3. But then again, you know, is it a, a deficiency or is it a, a conversion problem at the source of the liver where the primary conversion rates take place? So could it be a sluggish liver, a nutritional deficiency? And that's why in functional medicine, we have to take this kind of, um, we can't isolate symptoms of themselves. We really have to take this holistic perspective of the person from top to bottom and investigate upstream to these root causes of what could be at the uh, crux of their issue or their health challenge. But those are some of the big ones, you know, selenium, B12, zinc, vitamin D, and uh, magnesium. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really agree with all those answers. Those are definitely ones that we look at and we see on, our, on a regular basis. Also, omega-3 fatty acids can also be a major deficiency that a lot of people have as well. 
Now, you mentioned gut infections. So let's talk a little bit about the microbiome and how that plays a role in the immune system. And, you know, and obviously when that's out of order, right, it can, can lead to autoimmune type issues. Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about the gut, so that's like really the home that keeps everything that we shove in our body from the outside world separated from what's on the inside. And just like we have four branches of the military, or possibly five, you've got, you know, the Navy, the Marines, the Army, and uh, the Coast Guard and such, and the Air Force. Well, that's kind of how our immune system operates. It's got its own set or branch of military that kind of responds to threats that come into our body. And so secretory IgA, which is right there under that uh, epithelial lining of our gut, that's kind of like the, the Marines, if you will. So whenever we have foreign invaders that come in and the body is on high alert, it'll send those out um, to help, I guess, sequester the problem. So the question is, whenever we look at uh, conditions on the rise in society today, whether it be SIBO or um, gut infections like H. pylori or just any type of dysbiosis in general or leaky gut, we got to understand that our military or immune system is always on attack. It never gets this rest. And so it becomes overdriven or hypersensitive leading toward that autoimmune cascade. And so for my wife, you know, that was really what helped us put the pieces together was looking um, with a test called a GI map. And we used an organic acids in conjunction with that to really look at all the bacterial markers and kind of help us establish um, what her, I like to call her microbiome a garden. You know, so if you think about in the backyard, you're guarding, uh, you don't want a lot of weeds as they can overrun the garden. Well, that's kind of like what bad bacteria do. And she had a ton of that. Now, my wife, I had to think all the way back to her birth or even prenatal when she was in the womb of her mother, you know, what did her mom do to either A, help support her um, when she was going to be delivered and experience, you know, real world life or uh, what did her mother do that would um, uh, hinder her abilities or her body's ability to develop a strong immune system. And so, you know, she was born cesarean section or C-section and we know that you don't get to inherit the mother's microbiome or that garden you actually get what you come in contact with first, which is typically a sterile environment in the hospital and staff that lives on the skin, or if you don't even get to get that skin-skin contact, maybe strep or just bacteria that's in that hospital room. And so uh, she had strep and staph and just um, overgrown uh, dysbiotic bacteria that was in her gut. She also had uh, H. pylori overgrowth with some virulence factors, and she also had uh, giardia, which is a parasitic infection. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of stomach acid and its job to really help eliminate these pathogens or help keep things in balance in our garden, um, she didn't have any. So she was like suppressed on stomach acid. And so when we're swallowing up to a liter of saliva a day, you know, we're swallowing more of that bacteria that lives in our uh, oral microbiome there. And it goes down and creates or adds more fuel to the fire to the problem. And so we had to really help bring a lot of support to the gut and calm down the immune response before we could really put her on a, uh, a trajectory path of like healing, a targeted healing path. Yeah, you mentioned H. pylori, and that's a really important infection to consider. Um, they say somewhere around 50% of the world has H. pylori infection, and it's easily spread. And it's uh, a, a bacteria that sits in your stomach and shuts down your ability to produce stomach acid. And so when we see that on a stool test, like you talked about the GI map, we know you're having issues because normally that should never really see genetic material of H. pylori 
even if you have small amounts, like all of us have some level of H. pylori in our system and it's healthy when it's in normal amounts, but we shouldn't be able to see it on a stool test. And so we'll start to see that, especially with high levels. Um, we know that person is really struggling to produce that stomach acid. So what are some things that you do when you see H. pylori? Because I see that really commonly with a lot of autoimmune conditions. That one is in there a lot. H. pylori is pre very prevalent. And I think it's uh, a lot of the lifestyle factors in our environment that creates that problem. Because like you said, over 50% of the population does have it. It probably is a normal pathogen that we're supposed to have with a symbiotic relationship. And it's when it becomes overgrown that it can create these problems. And so for my wife, we used some really strong antifungal and antimicrobials uh, to kind of help knock down the presence, all the while trying to rebuild the resilience of her gut uh, using things like L-glutamine, aloe vera, um, and we use Megaspore Biotic, which I know you're a huge mm -hmm. fan of, to kind of help yeah. go in there and reseed the gut with some good guys, while at the same time knocking down some of the presence of these unwanted guests that are in our garden. And, um, you know, it's what I, I remember at the beginning of this telling my wife, you know, because a lot of people want immediate results, this kind of instant gratification of our 21st century that we live in today. And it, you can't powerboat yourself to good health. You kind of have to sailboat your way and you might want to course correct over time and you kind of have to reevaluate and really see how things are going because everybody is individual. We all react differently to different things. And so while I might be able to take a handful of antimicrobials and antifungals and um, all these supplements, you know, she might not be able to do that. And actually we had to titrate to the, the highest dose with her because she was so sensitive and having reactions. And so we had to take our time and I really had to um, just be a good constant support with her, uh, which was also a struggle in of itself too, because at the same time, while I have an understanding of what she's experiencing, I don't fully know exactly the way she truly feels. And so that was kind of difficult at some times. Uh, because I too can become impatient at times with the progress. Um, but yeah, we wanted to rebuild uh, the integrity of her gut. And we really just wanted to eliminate even foods that she was reacting to as well. Food sensitivities, I think, is something that is highly overlooked by many practitioners. Mm -hmm. And those are also like throwing more fire uh, or more gas onto the fire, creating inflammation. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about those food sensitivities. What are the most common ones that we're seeing people have? The Big ones, in my opinion, are probably gluten, dairy, uh, corn, uh, sugar, like refined sugar. And I mean, the list can grow, but GMOs, um, did I mention soy? I would say those are like the big guys. Definitely gluten, dairy, and, and corn, because those are all molecularly similar in their structure, the way they look, that the body, let's say you omit gluten, but the way dairy looks, it can be attacked as if it were still gluten in the body. And the same with corn. So this is molecular mimicry that we have going on. And then that creates more trouble for things like the thyroid gland because its structure looks very molecularly similar to these foods that we're eating. So we can have this cross-reactive uh, inflammatory response um, that can happen and still create problems. So I would always strongly advise people to eliminate gluten, dairy, corn, refined sugar, as we know, is just <laughs> creates a plethora of problems in of its own. And uh, the GMOs, you know, these foods that are genetically modified. Um, and then they're, you know, Roundup ready. So we can douse these things with glyphosate, which is a known carcinogen now. And there's lawsuits against it. You know, all of these things are also endocrine disruptors with the pesticides and herbicides and fungicides 
um, and they all have a role in our body and they don't need to be there. And so these are all things that I highly encourage people to omit from their diet uh, for good. And then eggs, eggs too is something that I see in a lot of people that they react to strongly. Um, and then you got to think about nuts and seeds. Some of these, even though they may, might be nutrient dense, it's always best to like sprout or soak these overnight um, to kind of reduce the levels of phytic acid and their lectin content, which can also be disruptive to, you know, our organs and especially our gut health. Yeah, that's a really good list of foods right there. And also, can you differentiate, you know, for a lot of people, they're not, they're not familiar with the food sensitivity versus a food allergy. So let's talk about the difference there between those two. Yeah, exactly. So a food allergy is um, whenever you have that classic case of eating a peanut or a pecan for like my mother, my mom is like definitely allergic to pecans. So if she eats something that has like even the lightest little sprinkling of pecans on it, she'll go into that anaphylactic shock where her throat swells up and she needs an EpiPen to calm down that immune response. And I believe that's an IgE mediated immune response. It's something that's very sudden and reactive and then it happens instantly. So that's your typical food allergy. And so most people, whenever you talk about food sensitivities, they get those two really confused. They don't understand the difference between allergy and sensitivity. So the difference really with the food sensitivity is that we see functionally is these are more um, delayed onset reactions that can occur 48 uh, hours, even up to 72 hours after the ingestion of a meal. And then who can really remember what they ate three days ago and then correlate that with the migraine headache or the brain fog that they might be experiencing up to three days later or the constipation or the gut pain. They don't link it back to maybe I did have a food that had possible dairy in it. I don't know. I didn't check or I didn't ask, or maybe it had oxidized um, vegetable oils like canola or safflower, things that oxidize very quickly, quickly and create an inflammatory response in the body. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know for myself, for when I was struggling with my health issues, I had, for me, pretty noticeable symptoms. When I have gluten, dairy, peanuts were a big one for me. So I, I never had anaphylactic like reactions or rashes or anything like that. But I would get really fatigued. I, I really, I always loved peanut butter. So I would eat peanut butter, and I would get real fatigued, and I'd have to start clearing my throat a lot. And so that was a sign that I was building more inflammation, more mucus production in my throat. And so a lot of people don't realize that if you have to clear your throat a lot after eating a meal or just throughout the day, that could be a sign, uh, kind of a, one of those silent types of signs of a food sensitivity. So look out for little things like that. Fatigue, you know, that can definitely be an issue if you feel like you've got to take a nap every day after lunch. Could be a sign you're not um, producing enough digestive juices or you really have some sort of food sensitivity that's going on. So um, so these are definitely things that you want to look at. You made a good list. And I know for a lot of your cases, when you're working with them, you like to use the autoimmune paleo diet. Can you go over the details of that in a little more detail? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an excellent diet because it removes a lot of these offending foods that we're going to already uh, maybe be sensitive to or that can actually exacerbate problems like uh, gluten is a known disruptor of the tight junctions in everyone's gut. So that's despite you have a sensitivity to it or not, it's known to increase a protein or an enzyme in the body called zonulin. And we can actually look at that too on the test, but um, the autoimmune paleo diet is really designed for anybody that's kind of on this autoimmune spectrum. And so we've got your, your healthy carbohydrates uh, that come from things like the cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and 
you know, cabbage and Brussels sprouts and um, asparagus and green beans. And then we've got really healthy oils in there. So things like uh, coconut oils, grass-fed butter, um, ghee, uh, these healthy fats that come from these, olive oil, you know, um, uh, cold expressed uh, extra virgin olive oil is really good and or cold pressed, I'm sorry. And so all of these are really good on that diet to really help build a person's uh, nutrient density up to get all these nutrients into their body. And then we're removing most of the offending foods. And so that's your gluten, your dairy, your corn, your GMOs. And we always want to obviously advocate for organic whenever we can. Mm-hmm. And uh, these things also include avocados, which are, if you want glowing skin, you know, eat avocados. I love eating avocados. Yeah. I'll probably consume up to three to five a day. <laughs> Those are super good. Wow. Three to five a day. I think you got me beat there. (laughs) I'm usually doing like one or two. Yeah. Avocados are a fantastic food. So they're great food on that sort of a diet. Now for some, some people when they have like bacterial overgrowth, um, sometimes we need to reduce some of the prebiotics. So like a lower FODMAP diet. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So that's one that I also ran into with my wife. You know, she couldn't have avocados there at the beginning because even the fiber content in an avocado would cause her to react because it was feeding not only both, you know, the good bacteria, but the bad bacteria that were in her stomach still were also consuming that. And so for a while there, you know, we did a five day bone broth fast Mm -hmm. and that was really beneficial at help kind of starving down some of that dysbiotic bacteria. uh, So we could add in that, you know, fiber, probiotic fiber, prebiotic fiber to help nurture and feed those good guys. And that's the thing with a lot of people, even with the SIBO, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is that they can't tolerate fiber very well. And there's a lot of foods, especially nutrient dense, healthy foods. I remember my wife couldn't tolerate blueberries for a while. And I loved making blueberry smoothies. Uh, Those things, they had a lot of fiber in them. And she would react almost every time. She would get the bloated feeling or the, Mm. the cramping feeling, that abdominal pain. And so it kind of took me a while to like clicked in my head, like, oh man, okay, we still got some work to be doing down here. So we had to continue to starve that down before we could actually add in the fiber. And um, I know you have a product on your store that's uh, uh, Mega Prebiotic by Microbiome Labs, and they're a really good product to help. Um, They've been scientifically or clinically shown to actually feed only the good guys. But even with that product, it can be so strong for someone who's really sensitive that you might might want to work your way up to the full dosing. So Mm -hmm. that's always the best way is just start slow and uh, listen to your body and really pay attention to how you feel after you eat um, or anything really. I always encourage people to use a food, mood, and poop journal. So that way they can kind of document uh, how they felt after they ate, you know, track their mood, and then how many bowel movements they had a day to really identify the foods that are hindering that process or um, helping their process or their healing journey. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Paleo Valley. They make the most powerful, pure vitamin C supplement you can get. Because unlike most vitamin C supplements containing synthetic ingredients that are created in the lab, Paleo Valley Essential C Complex is made from three of the most potent whole food sources of vitamin C on the planet. Nothing weird just food. Check them out at paleovalley.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off today. 
Yeah, like that food mood and poop journal. So those are definitely things you want to keep track on. You know, also energy, I think, is really important. Pain levels, right? These are a couple other things. Sleep quality, <clears throat> other good things to, to really be looking at. You know, when I'm trying to figure out what the best starting diet is for somebody, one thing that I'll often do is, you know, typically when I'm consulting with them, I'll just ask them questions. But sometimes I'll have them do this at home. I'll say, okay, if you were to just have a steak, Okay, grass-fed, you know, best quality steak. How do you think you'd feel if that was all you ate? How do you think you feel like an hour or two later? Okay, and a lot of times they're like, you know what? I feel great when I eat steak. That's typically a sign that they are producing enough stomach acid. If you're not producing enough stomach acid, it'll just sit in your stomach. Oftentimes you'll have reflux, nausea. You just will feel really bad. Okay, and so that's one way to, to determine that. You can try that test at home. You can also try the broccoli test. And the broccoli test is really looking at bacterial overgrowth in your small intestine. And so if you eat a bowl of broccoli, you know, broccoli is a great food. Eat a bowl of broccoli, you should feel great, okay? If you notice that you're bloating, that it makes you constipated, that you've got gas, acid reflux, you know, any sort of unwanted symptoms when you do that, it's a sign you probably have bacterial overgrowth uh, going on in your small intestine. And then we call, the last one we call a fat bomb test. Basically, there's all these little um, food products out there. And we've got a bunch of recipes on our website where you're taking like coconut oil and butter and things like that, chocolate, and you're making a fat bomb. It's high fat, low in, typically low in protein, low in uh, carbohydrate, and you're just consuming that. It's usually around 200 calories or so of, of fat, more or less. And, um, you know, if you should normally feel fine, totally fine with that if you're producing enough stomach acid, enough bile. Um, but if you're not producing bile, if you're not emulsifying fats well, then oftentimes you'll feel really bad. You might break out with acne, um, you know, just feel really, uh, you have brain fog, feel nauseous, have acid reflux. So this is just kind of a, a quick at-home test that you can look at any of those types of areas to see what's going on. And then like Chris was talking about, you know, going further with, uh, with some functional testing is also a really good one. Now, you mentioned the GI map, right? And you also mentioned organic acid testing. So, what are those tests helping you look at and what's taking place in somebody's gut? Yeah, those are two of my favorite tests because you can kind of cross-correlate one with the other to get an extra confirmation of something that's in there. So, there's no, it kind of rules out false positives. If there were any for those tests, I think they're uh, incredibly excellent. Um, but really, I like to look at both of them together because one, if I've got, um, say, H. pylori, uh, Giardia, or something like Cryptosporidium parvum, or uh, I can look at the dys uh, dysbiosis markers, uh, potential autoimmune triggers on the GI map. But I really don't like using the GI map for uh, candida or any type of fungal or mold overgrowth mm -hmm. in a person. So the organic acids test really comes into shine. And I mean, you get 72 markers on an organic acids test. So it's like a really big bang for your buck. If that was like the only test you could afford to run, I would always highly, highly recommend starting with that one. That one's kind of like the hub on a wheel that you'd want to start mm -hmm. with. And then maybe kind of personalize out on each spoke if need be, because you're looking at things like uh, your dysbiosis markers, uh, these metabolites that are produced, and then you urinate them out. And uh, the great thing too about these tests is you can do them in the comfort and privacy of your own home. And then drop them off in the FedEx, and they'll or they'll come pick it up, and you know take it back to the lab, and then get your results. But the organic acids is really good at identifying you know nutritional deficiencies in the B vitamins. We know the B vitamins play a critical role in uh, DNA synthesis and methylation, and we can tell that if a person just looking at patterns, um, why they would be having these nutritional deficiencies. 
If we think of, you know, factors in the, like confounding factors in the diet, such as like eating gluten, which we know damages uh, the parietal cells. And then we know that we need parietal cells because they secrete intrinsic factor that actually converts the vitamin B12 into the methylcobalamin so it can be its active form and we can use it. Uh, we can start to kind of dial in and help a person with a more targeted individual approach. So we can kind of identify things that are possibly going wrong. And then you can look at glutathione markers and we know glutathione is the body's master antioxidant. So we can really see if that's in a desperate need of being upregulated. And if it is, why are there things like heavy metals? You know, heavy metals are something that I always see in people with autoimmune conditions, especially mercury. And it's not so much if we have heavy metals in our body, it's a matter of how much we have in our body, yeah. but just because of the 21st century. But yeah, those are two great tests that I love using. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how about a comprehensive blood analysis? Do you look at those? What were some of the key... Uh, key biomarkers you're looking at in a blood analysis? Another great test. And so this, is, this one is one that is usually covered by most people's insurance. And I know when we get into like functional medicine, people start to kind of get worried because a lot of uh, functional medicine practitioners, they don't work with insurance. They don't do the insurance billing. I know some people do, but it just makes it kind of difficult to work around that. And so uh, a comprehensive blood panel is something that's really good to also correlate with an organic acids test to further uh, evaluate a person's health challenges to bring forth more uh, confirmation. So yeah, we can look at things like glucose to de de uh, determine if a person is possible insulin resistant or even hypoglycemic or hyperglycemic, hyperlipidemia, these kind of issues that uh, we know are another contributing factor to most uh, health challenges is uh, blood sugar dysregulation. Um, and then we got, you can look for certain patterns on there as well. So what I really like about um, working with people is starting actually with that blood chemistry profile, because I can utilize that by looking for patterns to help investigate or warrant for further testing, such as that organic acids or GI map. And what I mean by that is you can look for patterns with the uh, carbon dioxide marker, uh, sodium, potassium, chloride. And if they're up or down or whatever their values are, you can kind of determine if a person is um, hypochlorhydria or a suppressed stomach acid production. So that way you might want to look at an organic acids test to see if we've got some dysbiosis going on. Um, you can look at like zinc uh, in the serum if it's deficient. Well, we know that we need stomach acid for zinc absorption. So if you have a zinc deficiency, well, another good at-home test is by looking at your fingernails. And if you've got those white spots mm. on your fingernails, probably indicative of a zinc deficiency. And uh, zinc is important in so many different enzymatic functions and processes within the body. Um, alkaline phosphatase, that's a good marker to identify if you're zinc deficient. Um, and then you have like your neutrophils, uh, basophils, monocytes, eosinophils, your white blood cell count to help determine if there's an ongoing chronic infection. You know, we have Lyme disease, that's like an epidemic now today. Uh, Epstein-Barr virus or um, cytomegalovirus, you have these other different viral infections that could actually be contributing low-grade chronic inflammation in the body that's fueling that autoimmune you know, spectrum. And then you have high-sensitive C-reactive protein and homocysteine. Mm. I mean, there's so many markers that we can look at and talk about. Yeah, for sure. I, definitely a bunch that I like to look at. I like to look at fasting insulin levels. That's mm -hmm. a big factor. You're talking about blood sugar. Um, so that's a big one. You know, normally it should be between two and five. And a lot of times we'll see that really, really high. Um, and that's a sign that that's going to promote inflammation in high insulin 
fasting insulin levels are going to basically turn on the inflammatory switch in your body. And you mentioned C-reactive protein, another inflammatory marker, serum ferritin as well. Yep. Storage form of iron, sometimes we'll see that elevated. That's a sign of inflammation going on in the body. Sometimes we'll see that the red blood cells are kind of larger, uh, larger width. And that can be a sign of a B12 deficiency or folate, but also can be a sign of inflammation in there too. So sometimes there's you know, the, the seeing the size of the blood cells can be a factor too. And then we also have some different, different white blood cells that can give us an indication at times of uh, different things going on in the immune system, right? Like high eosinophils oftentimes can indicate an allergy or some sort of parasite infection. High neutrophils oftentimes can be like uh, yeast overgrowth or bacterial overgrowth. High lymphocytes can be a sign of uh, high viral load, viral activity, especially if we see the high lymphocytes and the monocytes, then we start thinking like Epstein-Barr, like you were talking about. So just so much that we can see on, you know, a good, really good comprehensive blood analysis. A lot of times the testing you may be getting done at your general practitioner's office will show a little bit of that, but uh, oftentimes it's not thorough enough. They're, they're leaving out a lot of key markers that we like to see. And we also look at vitamin D on there, right? So vitamin D is so important. Now let's talk about your top supplements. I know you mentioned a bunch of nutrients earlier and you can go over those nutrients as well and like what kind of dosages uh, are typically good for people. But what, what sort of um, nutrients and supplements, herbs, and whatever it is that you like to utilize when it comes to helping people with, uh, with autoimmune conditions, chronic inflammatory conditions? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a loaded question too. So there's a lot of great supplemental companies out there. I try to look for ones that have the least amount of fillers and uh, extra ingredients on there uh, because you have to be cognizant about the supplements you're taking. Because let's say, for instance, you have those food sensitivities. Well, some of those ingredients in the supplement might be one of the foods that you're sensitive to. So you could be taking a, quote, super healthy nutrient-dense supplement um, that can actually still create or cause possible um, inflammation in the body. And so really, I like to get all of my nutrients in from the food. But as you know, our nutrients and all of our minerals are like heavily depleted in our soils today from where we're sourcing these foods, unless you just have your own garden and you're doing like some crop rotation. But, you know, I really like things like um, L-glutamine. So let's just talk about for the gut first. Mm -hmm. So things like uh, L-glutamine, you know, our enterocytes um, are the fastest uh, turning over or self-replicating or healing uh, cells in our body but we're just constantly eating and overindulging all the time that we never give them a rest. And they primarily feed upon uh, the amino acid L-glutamine. So that's a really good amino acid to help feed those enterocytes to speed up the healing down there. Um, another one is uh, marshmallow root, or slippery elm bark, aloe vera, MSM, glucosamine. You know, all of those are great, great nutrients uh, to help support the lining or the rebuilding of your gut barrier. And, um, you know, all of that stuff that goes on in there to help rebuild the tight junctions and just that overall integrity. Those are some really great products uh, mm -hmm. that will help. And you can sometimes find those from different companies. You'll see on their ingredients list. Uh, just look for those types of product or uh, ingredients as you can buy them individually. But if you can buy them kind of all sourced in one package. I know one I used on my wife for the longest time was by uh, Biotics Research, the GI Resolve. It had like four to five grams of the L-glutamine. And we were taking... Um, I think up to three or four scoops or servings a day yeah. just to help put that stuff into our system. And it also had the aloe vera 
the MSM, the glucosamine, and the uh, uh, slippery elm, the marshmallow root. Um, some other ones, so like things like berberine, you know, this is really good to help with uh, calming down that hypoglycemic response or help bringing in control of your blood sugar. And another thing about berberine is it also activates the AMPK pathway uh, for helping induce, you know, if you wanted to try to get into ketosis, berberine's a really good uh, supplement to try to take to kind of help you boost that uh, autophagy, help stimulate the rebuilding or uh, secretion of stem cell production in our bodies. For thyroid, also a good antimicrobial, right? It it's is. Good. It, can, it is. can work against things like H. pylori, like we talked about, bad bacteria, parasites. So, yeah. For uh, speaking of H. pylori, so we used Metula tea. And mm-hmm. the reason we used Metula tea was because um, I know it was kind of an investment on there, but they, on their website, they have over like 35,000 plus cases of Metula tea actually being effective, and it's a 98% eradication. Um, or your money back. And so we're like, well, that sounds like a win-win for us. <laughs> and uh, so we used that and we did treat the whole household too. So everybody that lived with us, we gave them a two the tea. And that's just, you know, a tea bag in the morning on an empty stomach, a tea bag at night before you go to bed on an empty stomach. And um, that was about it. And then for the kids, we just had them do uh, one bag a day. And then, uh, so I, I love biocidin products too. <clears throat> and uh, the biocidin products that we, or biobotanical, I should say, is the company. Biocidin is a product of them. And I like the drops because you can titrate up. So those drops are, it's, it's like a synergistic formula of a bunch of botanicals and herbal compounds to kind of go after some of these unwanted guests down in our gut garden, you know. So I had to go after the Giardia with her. And so I was using some very strong, potent antimicrobials, uh, things like oil of oregano, um, I'm trying to remember all of these ingredients that are in there. There's like 17 ingredients, I think. Probably and artemisian, black walnut, maybe clove, a couple of those in there. I believe so. I believe those are all in there too. It's, it's got a ton. I know it's very effective. And so we worked yeah. up, I bought um, gelatin-free like vegetarian capsules and I just took the drops and I would put, you know, three drops in there and then I would work my way up with my wife. So we did that three times a day and she didn't have any reaction. So the next day, I would do five drops. And what we wanted to do is work up to about 30 drops a day and to a tolerable dose. And the same thing with the uh, Megaspore Biotic from Microbiome Labs. You know, that one was, is one that a lot of people can't just full on take two capsules a day. You know, they have to start at one capsule every other day because they're so sensitive. And mm. it's a lot of bacteria that you're throwing down in there in the gut. And I had to do that with my wife too. I had to put in there, you know, one capsule every other day, work your way up and then uh, one capsule every day and then two capsules. And, um, you know, now she's like feeling a lot better. And the funny thing is, is about, even though it's a lot of supplements, I try to, you know, I don't want to create a supplement graveyard because it, the compliancy there of someone having to take 15 to 20 to 30 supplements and then remembering how much and when and what dosing, it can be very overwhelming. And so I want to always try to create, you know, the least amount of extra stress I got to add for somebody because, you know, that's the idea is identifying hidden stressors. And so taking, all of these supplements can be kind of stressful. And um, so I like things too, like adaptogens and glandulars um, mm. and supporting the adrenals and the liver is something that's like super crucial when you're killing off all of these, you know, pathogens that are living in the gut because they're also going to release their own toxins and that's also going to create stress responses in the body. And so we want to provide some extra support to the adrenals um, and to the liver to make sure that the liver is not overburdened on trying to get rid of all these toxins. So things like your silly marin or milk thistle, dandelion, and just, you know, you can think of it as bitter 
is better. Mm. You know, these bitter herbs, mustard greens, dandelion greens, those are stuff that's really good to help the liver. And then artichokes, those help stimulate bile flow. And so that's yeah. kind of that system that we want to promote is getting the bile not so sludge and thick, but help pushing it out of the body. And, you know, it takes some of the body's most amount of ATP or energy to have to recreate bile. So it oftentimes recycles the same bile. So if my wife, I was having her take a GI detox or systemic, systemic formulas bind, which is a uh, really great binder with some humic and fulvic acid, activated charcoal. It's got, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the Shigara Cagrata, a really good bowel mover, or so you don't get any type of constipation from the charcoal. It's also got some mag magnesium in there. And I was having her like strategically take these a couple times throughout the day to help um, with die off symptoms, you know, and just I didn't want to overwhelm her. So, like, going low and slow is like huge in my book. I don't ever want to overwhelm too many people. And sequencing and titration is, you know, really key too. And, um, if we have time before going on to this, I'd definitely love to talk about mindset. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously guys can see that, that Chris is very, very detailed and he wants to take people through phases and you have, really have to do that. And that's one of the big things um, when it comes to actually being a health coach in the trenches, working with people, you realize there's no one size fits all program or protocol. I mean, it'd be, it'd be great if there was, um, but it's just reality is it's not the case. And so there's so many challenging individuals that really need that sort of uh, precision care that really need somebody to walk with them and be basically giving them dosages and changing and, and titrating and all kinds of stuff like this on almost a week by week basis. And that's how they're going to get the results. And if they just try to, you know, go out and, and, and buy somebody's program without that, that handholding, oftentimes they're going to be let down. So, um, you probably know who you are. Uh, you probably have are, are still struggling, even though you know you may have a supplement graveyard or try different programs. That's when you want to hire somebody like Chris to really work with you one on one and kind of walk you through the process, troubleshoot challenges that you're dealing with, and uh, you know that's how you really get results and get well when you're when you're a challenging case. You know, uh, for example, DrJockers.com we create you know the world's best content, but we realize that the steps and strategies we discuss in each of those articles, although foundational for the healing process, um, you know, there's probably about half to two thirds of the people, if they follow those, will get amazing results. But then there's another third that are going to still have a lot of problems. And those are people that really need that sort of um, individualized one-on-one -on -one personalization that comes with it. And uh, Chris could really help you with that. And so we'll have all his links and, 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 and all his information below that you guys can check him out. But uh, yeah, Chris, why don't you finish with mindset and how important that is? Absolutely. Not, the reason why I want to talk about this area is because I think even in our alternative or, you know, this uh, holistic field, mental, emotional um, mindset aspects is heavily neglected or at least not mm -hmm. focused on as much. And, you know, I'm a full-blown Christian. I believe in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I believe in my Heavenly Father and the Savior. And, you know, we can almost go to the Bible for any answer and any problem, and it's there. And a lot of the science just sometimes likes to exclude from giving him the credit, you know. And mm -hmm. um, we can look to mindfulness and meditation to see that's a, a common theme throughout, like, King David or King Solomon's life. And we see that all throughout the Psalms and Proverbs. And so, this is where I really did a lot of work on my wife with overcoming 
past trauma, whether it was from me being an unsupportive husband in my early 20s um, or from just childhood experiences that she had in her home. And, you know, anybody can have these type of, you know, experiences. And, um, you know, think of just veterans from the military that have or suffer from PTSD. And, you know, what I want to talk about is um, the mental, emotional well-being, because our environment is ultimately what will tell our genes how to express. And so, if you think of like the gun analogy that I use, it's your genes that loads the gun, but it's your environment that pulls that trigger. And so, you know, what I learned at a conference one time, I don't remember who the speaker was, so I, I, this is not my creation, but it's this acronym called ACT, A-C-T. And she said the A stands for awareness, and we need to have an aware of the hardwired thoughts and emotions that are stored in our body. And the C is for connect, and we need to connect to the body with breath and questions to interrupt preconditioned responses. And then the T stands for take control. So we have to take control of thoughts and emotions to create a new neurochemical response. And I say all that because, you know, in the Bible, we're called to take every thought captive and make it obedient mm -hmm. to Christ. Yeah. And so our thoughts with what we say about ourselves, if we're constantly going around saying, I'm never going to lose this weight, or this is too hard, or I can't do this, or I can't, or I'm not enough, or I will never amount up to this, or I'll never be able to please them, or fear. You know, very few people truly take responsibility of actively choosing to think positive, proactive thoughts, and, you know, it doesn't add value to your life, and you can't sow that same greatness into other people. And so it doesn't take you where you want to go. And so if you think that we have 70 to 80,000 thoughts per day and up to 80 to 90% of those thoughts are the exact same from yesterday, it's almost the definition of an insanity. You're kind of doing the same thing over and over again, but hoping for a different outcome. Mm. And you know, a person who continually thinks about their problems, whether consciously or unconsciously, will only create or go on to continue to create more of the same type of difficulties uh, in their lives. And myself included, you know, I used to be of a limited lack scarcity mindset belief, and I didn't even know it. And um, I just had to go through a lot of personal growth and development to understand that this is one big area that people need a lot of help in. And I know me and my wife doing these exercises, helping using deep breathing you know, I used to set an alarm on my phone once an hour to do that, to remind myself, and it would help put me at ease. And there's a great app out there called Headspace. And I don't know if you're affected or if anybody's affected by the pandemic that's going on, but if you go to headspace.com forward slash unemployment, they'll give you their yearly subscription for free. And it's a really great guided uh, meditation. And so there's certain things that I have created to focus in on my mind when I'm being guided through these um, to kind of help me be taken out of that really stuck fight or flight response and to kind of put me in that more rest and digest mode so mm -hmm. that my body is in relax because we live in the 21st century and our body responds to stress of any form the same way. And so whether it's, I got to go make this presentation at work or I got to drive in traffic or I get cut off or, Oh no, I got to um, take the kids to karate, baseball, basketball. I got to go cook dinner or what do I, you know, it's just like, boom. And, all that stuff adds up and then that in of itself can help speed up this autoimmune cascade. And so we really have to, you know, I, I just feel like it's my job to truly inspire, empower and educate people and to help keep them accountable for when they're slipping up. And I'll leave you with one last thought. And 
it's the fear of rejection. This creates an action. And because the person doesn't act, you know, he doesn't truly, he or she doesn't truly get to gain personal experience from that situation. And so, you know, th this is key to learning and overcoming future obstacles. Fear of failure stops forward prog uh, progression. And that could be in your health journey. It could be the fear of how you might become or feel when you're a new person, you know, and you have to challenge yourself to rise above the occasion at every opportunity that comes your way. And it's not easy, but the reward is well worth it because you get to be the very best version of yourself. And then you ultimately get to spread that same love and gratitude to other people. And uh, yeah, the, the power of just simple self-care with like gratitude journaling and uh, the meditation aspect and exercise, uh, nourishing food and hydration. You know, those are all some great things that we can put into practice. It sounds common sense, but it's not common practice. And so it takes a lot. Yeah, so good, Chris. I mean, mindset is so important, and we really focus on that here on the podcast. And I uh, just love your, your your thoughts, words of wisdom there. So, thanks again for being a part of the podcast. And guys, you can check out Chris's information in the show notes. So be sure to check that out, and uh, you know you'll find his information on our website, drjockers.com. Chris, as you can see, is <clears throat> very well educated. He knows his stuff really well, very compassionate, loves working with people. So, you know, if you're looking for a great health coach, uh, couldn't recommend anybody more than Chris. He'll, he'll take great care of you and uh, really help you navigate, troubleshoot all the challenges with your health. So check him out and we'll see you guys on a future podcast. Remember, your life is more valuable than you think it is. So go out and start taking action to improve your health and see the fruit of that today. Be blessed, guys. We'll see you in a future podcast. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.